For if you will, please turn over with me to Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. I'll also read in Genesis chapter 35, the first couple of verses there, but, but I'll have it on the screen. But if you want to put your finger there as well, you can. Amen. Last week, um, as this has been on our heart, and we've just kind of just done a, a few um, solo sermons, I guess you would say, with um, not really a connection, but everything's connected because it's connected to the Bible and through through God and, and, and through His work and what He desires for us. But, but last week, as, as we spoke on this idea of being anxious, being worried, being concerned, being consumed for nothing, and we spoke on that, and then this week we're going to uh, talk about what we titled this sermon as When God Shows Up. Amen. So Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. So when God shows up. This is the scripture. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and lay down in that place, and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching heaven, and God's angels were going up and down on it. Yahweh was standing there beside him. Yahweh is the Hebrew word for, for, for God, okay? Saying, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land that you are, are now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Let's remember that. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know that. Underline it, highlight it. That, that we're going we're gonna to hit on that a lot, okay? He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named the place Bethel, though the previously, the previously the city was named Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give to you a tenth of all that you give me. So it says, it talks about how he named it Bethel, and Bethel means God's house, a holy place in Hebrew. If you look at that as it's broken down. Have you ever been in the middle of nowhere? I remember um, not long after I graduated high school, um, I was so ready to go away and do something different. Um, I'd lived all my life in East Tennessee. The farthest I'd been, we went to Amish country in Pennsylvania um, once for a family trip. Um, and we went to Savannah, Georgia, down there, St. George Island, something like that. I don't know. Um, once that was the only time we, we saw the beach growing up so didn't travel a lot most of our traveling was done to uh, churches that dad was pastoring he always pastored two three four hours away he never pastored close to home because they knew him too well um, no I don't know if I never did um, 
But I remember going out to Texas, my first time across Mississippi, first time, you know, in different time zone. I mean, I was way out there, okay? We flew into Amarillo Airport, um, Amina and another lady that was going there to see family. And that was my connection there. And, and, and we get, uh, they came and picked us up, and, and they took us out to the camp that I was going to work at. And I was already blown away by the difference in surroundings and, and geography and, uh, I mean, everything. Just the world looked totally different. You know, everything was brown. Everything was flat. And, so, but we were in Amarillo, so there was some stuff, you know, and it, it, it's a pretty good-sized city. I guess about Knoxville size, maybe a little smaller. We, we headed down south, and we were going to a little town called Happy, okay? Um, and Happy's name to claim, I think there was a movie filmed in it, an old western movie. Uh, but I never heard of it, so we went down that way, and, and we got to Happy, and all Happy was was really a post office and a, 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 a wheat bin, a grain bin, a couple of grain bins and stuff. That's all it was. Uh, so I was like, well, this is out in the middle of nowhere. And then we turned, and we continued to go farther. And I was like, okay, if middle of nowhere was, was Happy, then where are we going, going now? We just kept on driving, 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 and I saw it, and there was nothing all around. And I was like, who have I signed up to work for? They're taking me out here to kill me or something like that? I don't know. It's like I, I was fooled into something. We finally took another turn, and, and this whole time, I feel like I was out in the middle of nowhere, didn't think there was anything around, looked like everything was dead, that life was, was non-existent in this place. I was on a foreign planet. We finally took a turn and, and, and on the last road, and we come down, we come to a valley, um, and then we, we go down into it, and we go down into it, it's just out of nowhere, this life, this lush green oasis just just, just evolves and, and comes out of nowhere as we go down into into this valley. And there's a, a creek there and a, a little river that runs through it that just provides life for the, this whole little little place, a couple of acres of, of, of paradise, it, it feels like. And I got to think, you know, there's been other times that I've felt in the middle of nowhere, mountains of North Carolina or different places, but... But we've all been in some place in our life in in what felt like the middle of nowhere. You know, maybe it was a, a season where we were between jobs. We didn't feel like we were anywhere. Um, a lot of us, the, the period between when we move out of teenage years into adulthood, you know, we might say we're an adult, but it's still like a middle of nowhere. We really don't know what's happening. Sometimes maybe when we're single or looking for somebody, that could feel like the middle of nowhere. In the midst of a storm or a dry place can feel like the middle of nowhere in your life. Maybe you're just away from God. You believe in Him, you followed Him, you've accepted Him as your Savior, but due to some decisions that you've made in your life currently going on, you just, you're not as close as you once were and it feels like you're just in the middle of of nowhere. And the middle of nowhere is going to look different for all of us. But I guarantee you all of us will be there at some point in our life. And I'm pretty sure probably all of us have already been there at some point in our life. You know, even this time of year, February and March, feels a little bit like the middle of nowhere. It's not Christmas time. It's not the holiday seasons. We're not yet to Easter and we're not yet to summer. We're just in the middle of nowhere waiting on the next thing, the next season, the next event, the next occurrence of something, the summer, the warm weather. We're waiting on that next place in time where it feels like we're going somewhere, but we're just stuck in this middle place. And that's where we find Jacob in this story. Jacob had just stolen the blessing from his father um, 
and uh, from Esau. Goes in and tricks his father and everything. And Esau becomes angry. Basically tells Jacob, hey, I'm going to kill you for what you've done. So Jacob goes on the run. His, his mother you know, kind of gives him direction and everything. He, he's going to go visit some family in a far-off land. And, and he's going to find a wife. They don't want him to marry the people around them, you know. So he heads off to find his family. But he's ultimately in the middle of who he was. This person that the Bible describes as a deceiver, a supplanter, the one that you know took his brother's uh, birthright and everything, sold him a board, but I think a, a porridge for his blessing and all these things, and, and he's in the middle of who he was and who he was meant to be in this nowhere place. He didn't realize that he just thought he was going to find safety and a wife but that something amazing was going to happen to him on this journey. So look at what happens here in this scripture, okay? So we understand the background. Jacob is, is heading to, to see his, his uncle Laban in a far-off land, but he's in this middle place, never, neither here nor there. He's not at home, and he's not where he's headed. He's in this middle place. And he stops, not because he wants to, but just because he has to stop before on his way there because the Bible says that the sun had set. He just needed to sleep before he continue on to his next destination. Maybe that's where you're at. You're where you're at. And you come to church because you're supposed to come to church. You go to work because you're supposed to go to work. You wake up, take care of your kids because you're supposed to wake up, take care of your kids. You get cleaned up and go about your day because you're supposed to. You lay down because the sun sets, so you're supposed to. Not really where you want to be. You don't want to go back. Just kind of in the middle of, of nowhere. It wasn't where Jacob wanted to be. He probably wanted to be with his family, but that bridge had been burned for the season. And he'd much rather be in a nice tent than sleeping with his head on a, on a rock, but here's where he was at, in the middle of nowhere. But then we see that God reveals himself in a vision. Jacob falls asleep and he begins to have a dream, the Bible says. That there's a ladder reaching from, from earth to heaven. That God's angels are, are going to and, and fro and up and down and everything. That Yahweh, that God is, is standing on the top and speaks to Jacob. And basically we see that what he does is, is he extends the, the covenant between the Abrahamic covenant between God and Abraham. He extends it on through, through Jacob. So God reveals himself. And then I love that, that scripture that I pointed out. It says that Jacob realizes that, that God was there all along. Yeah. Amen. That Jacob realized that in this middle of nowhere, podunk little place, near some place that, called, that was called Luz, for whatever reason they named it that, God was there in the middle of his nowhere between where he was and where he was going. In the place in the uh, season of transition where he was changing and where he was going to a different stage of life. He was going to go get married and have a family. But he wasn't, no doubt there was concerns, there was worries, there was uncertainty. God was there in the middle of nowhere. You know, some of the greatest things that God will ever do in your life will happen when you are far away from safety and comfort of the things that you know and the life that you are accustomed to. A lot of times, God will do the greatest things in your life when you are in trouble. 
running from a difficult situation, in a bad place, facing storms, facing hard decisions, in seasons of transition where you don't know where the next step is, God will do great things in those places and reveal to you that He was there all along. Because I've been in seasons of transition, and I've been in seasons where I've been in trouble, where I felt burdened, where I felt, felt heavy, where I felt like I didn't know where to go next. And God would reveal Himself to me in those times. As He's done with, with Jacob. But we see that Bethel is this place of great change that ultimately has, has great influence over how Jacob lives his life. If you look at Jacob from the point where he, he leaves his family after he's done those deceitful things, you know, stolen the birthright, stolen the blessing, all that, whatever you want to say, um, you know, and, and he, he leaves, his, his mom directs him in another path, and he goes and he comes to this place called Luz, and, and he decides to take a nap there and sleep there and rest because the sun's went down, and, and here he is, no doubt, not knowing what comes next, just going to do what his mom and daddy told him to do. And he has this dream, and from the moment that he wakes up, Throughout the rest of his life, you see a different Jacob. Before, Jacob tried to take what he could get the easiest way possible. Oh, you want some porridge? Give me your birthright. That seems like a good deal. Oh, you're off and Dad's ready to give give out the blessing? Well, let me go and, and find an easy way to, to get this blessing. But not long after Jacob has this experience at Bethel, we see he works for 20 years. To, to earn the woman that he loves. To begin to provide for his family. To begin to, to take in things to make him prosperous. To, to expand his herds of his, of his goats and his sheep and his camels and all these things. We see that after this point, Jacob becomes more intentional with how he is living his life. Because he lived most of his life in this season of transition just trying to get to the next place. But when he experienced God in the middle of nowhere, it impacted how he lived his life and the choices that he made. And I pray that we will allow God to do that as well. Yeah. Bless you, Lord. And with how important Bethel was, God eventually brought Jacob back to Bethel. So Bethel is a place where many things happened. And, and if you go have a Bethel moment, that's what we're going to call it, a Bethel moment, okay? When you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're in your transition, and God reveals Himself to you, then it becomes a place of many things, but one of it's a place of remembrance, okay? So Bethel has become a place of remembrance for Jacob. So if you'll turn with me, if you want to, over to Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 3, it reads like this. So this is after Jacob had, had worked for 20 years for Laban and everything. He'd go and, and he'd earned his, his wife. You know, he was tricked with the first, one, first time, but he finally got the one that he was wanting. He began to expand his herds, expand his flocks. He began to grow in prosperity. He began to establish himself in the community and in the life around him. God was working in his life. Good things were happening. And here we are, and the Bible tells us and we understand that there came to a point where Jacob and Laban had some disagreements, okay? There was some frustration. There were some arguments. There was some, some bad blood between them, you know? And Jacob has to go on the run. He has to leave town. He has to take his family and everything he has and get out of Dodge. 
And here, here we see that God is instructing Jacob. He says, God said to Jacob, Get up. Go to Bethel. And settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his family and all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in my day of distress. He has been with me everywhere I have gone. Amen. Now we as Christians should just read that and just throw ourselves in there. Let me. Oh, I'm Jacob, so it really wouldn't change anything. Okay. Um, Gilbert, I'm going to throw your name in there, okay? Because, I mean, I'm Jacob, so it's not going to change anything. God said to Gilbert, get up. Go to Bethel. Remember, Bethel, holy place, the house of God. Go to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Let's put this there. When you when you were running from that difficult season in your life. So Gilbert said to his family and all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the things that, that pull you away from God, that, that tempt you, that, that pull you from what God wants you to be. Purify yourselves. Change your clothes. Pray. Get ready. Get up. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in my day of distress. He has been with me everywhere I have gone. Put your own name in there. And there's places you you can fill in when you fled from whatever it was. You know that season of in between of, of nowhere that you were at. Whatever it was you were running from or maybe running to that wasn't good for you. You know what that was. Put your name in there and read that to yourself. This is our story. This is our testimony. This should be our testimony. We should all be able to come down to the end of the day and say, He has been with me everywhere I have gone. Amen. We should have that recognition in our lives. But I can understand for Jacob, you know. He, he, things had finally started turning around. He was working hard. He was doing his, his business. He, he wasn't trying to trick anybody. Even though he got tricked, he wasn't trying to fool anybody. He wasn't trying to sneak something. He was working. He was doing what he was supposed to do. That moment in the middle of nowhere really impacted and changed his life. But here it comes. Conflict arises again. Yeah. But now it's with Laban. His father-in-law. He has to think, here we go again. I just ran from family over there. And this is the only place I had to go. Now I'm having to run from this place. Where do I go now? You been there? Man, maybe it was several years ago. Man, God delivered you from something. He helped your family through something. Maybe you were healed of cancer. Maybe He provided for you financially. Maybe it was something in your relationship that was broken and you didn't think it could be mended. And God showed up in that nowhere place for you and everything everything changed. But here you are a couple years later and they say, You're in, it's come back. That cancer's come back. Or maybe there's now there's more different problems in your relationship. 
Or maybe there's new financial struggles. And you're like, here we go again. God got me out of it, but here we are again. But what does God do to Jacob? He says, go back to Bethel. Go to Bethel. One, he referenced him to a place that he would remember and that he would know. He said, hey, things are topsy-turvy for you right now. Let's go back to something that's familiar to you. Something that you understand. Something that you can comprehend. Something that makes sense to you. So he says, he instructs Jacob to return to Bethel. It was at this place that God started something in Jacob's life many years ago, 20 years ago plus, that he started something in Jacob's life. And he takes him back there to remind him and say, hey... That purpose that I started in you when I extended that promise, that covenant that I made to your forefathers, I extended it to you. Guess what? Come back here and let me remind you that it's not going to fail. That it's going to, I'm going to see it through. Paul says it this way in Philippians 1 verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We need to remember that. We need to hold true to that. We spoke multiple weeks ago about memorizing scriptures. If there's one you want to memorize, add to your list. If you're looking, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 is a good one to put in your in your quay for your next one, okay? That's a good one to add there because it is something that we can hold on to. Because my prayer is, my belief is everybody here is saved. I don't know 100%, but I believe everybody here is saved. Well, guess what? There's going to be times where you're tried and you're tempted and you're weary and you're worn out and you're miserable in life and you're miserable in everything that's going on and you're just fed up with it and you're disgusted with it and you don't want anything to do with it and it's just like, here we go again. And you're like, maybe you thought coming into your relationship with Christ that everything would be hunky-dory after that. And you make that commitment to God and God reveals Himself in the middle of nowhere to you and you accept Him as your Savior and then maybe it is good for the first couple of years. Then the couple years down the road things start getting bad and you're like here we go again where's God in this situation slow down and go back to a place of remembrance and remember that what God started in you he is faithful and just to complete it that when he met you in the middle of nowhere and he spoke from heaven in whatever way it was. Maybe it was through a testimony that somebody gave, a song that somebody sung, a message that was presented, scripture that you read in your private time. Just something that happened. Maybe, you know, I, I, that quote that, that President Zelensky gave that really just struck me. Maybe it was something out of left field that had nothing to do with God, but it just impacted you. And in your middle of nowhere, it just resonated and it was God speaking to you. Go back to that place. Because sadly, I can, I can just about guarantee this. Yeah. If I was standing there with Jacob when he was leaving Bethel, I probably could about guaranteed him, you're going to find some more frustration in your life. Things are going to still be bad at some times. There's still going to be some rocky roads that you have to travel, Jacob. Don't forget about Bethel. Don't forget your Bethel moment. 
You know, for many of us, maybe that Bethel moment is the moment of conversion. We've accepted Christ as our Savior, an old-fashioned altar, maybe at home, in a closet, driving in the car, wherever it was. That was your Bethel moment. Middle of nowhere, and God cries out to you. You accept Him as your Savior. And things changed from there. You lived your life different from there. Your decisions were different from there. But here you are, maybe weeks or months or years later, and things are hard again. Go back to that Bethel moment. Maybe you've been making some bad decisions. Maybe you've drifted from God. The phrase I like to use, the relationship's thin, but it's not broken. Maybe that's where you're at. Nothing will help you better than going back to your Bethel moment and remembering what God started in you and remembering what He's going to complete in you. And that's going to inspire you to Come back into that place that He wants you to be in. But Bethel is a place of remembrance. Of remembering what God said. What God did. How God changed you. How God moved in you. And yes, you might go through periods where you feel like it's just your life's on repeat. That your life's playing on loop. And you go through, you come out of your season nowhere because of your Bethel moment and then things get crazy again and you're right here in the middle of nowhere and you're looking for another Bethel moment. Remember when God met you at Bethel. Wherever your Bethel was at, whatever was going on, remember that place because that's why He's set up a rock and He anointed it with oil. was as a place and a marker of remembering what God had done there for Jacob. So Bethel is a place of remembrance. But Bethel is also a place of revelation. Right? Yeah. Jacob went from only stopping in that place because it was the place that was present when he decided to go to sleep and the sun went down to if you read the scripture by the end of it saying this was a truly amazing place and it was the house of God. There was a revelation in him where what he once saw was not what he now saw. That he once saw nothingness and nowhere, and now he realizes that this is where God is at. This is the house of God. Having that Bethel moment will oftentimes create a revelation, a time of revelation where you see things differently. The storm that you were in that looked like it was destroying you, you realize that it's just watering you for the growth that God's about to do. Amen? That the dry period you're going through, it's just, it's just dry so that you have to depend on God in this period and, and, and lean on Him more than you ever have. You'll begin to see the revelation that what you thought you were in wasn't where you were at in the first place. Anybody ever watch... Wally Coyote and oh, was it just Roadrunners? That was it. Roadrunner. A lot of times we end up being like Wally Coyote, thinking that something's there that wasn't there. I don't know how that Roadrunner did it, but without hands or anything, he'd paint these beautiful frescoes uh, of train stations and tunnels and everything. And, and he, he had the CGI down packed. I mean, man, looked like that thing was coming out. And then Wally Coyote would think, hey, that's, that's what I think it, it looks like it. 
That's what I think it is. I want to go through it. Just at the when it's too late to realize that wasn't what it was at all. We can get in places sometimes in our life where, for lack of a better word, we make a mountain out of a molehill. Because the enemy has put a magnifying glass in front of it and we didn't realize it. He's put your life under a magnifying glass and everything looks intensified. Everything looks bigger. Everything looks more substantial. Everything looks more difficult. And then we have these moments of revelation at Bethel where what we thought we saw wasn't what we saw at all. That nowhere... Okay. I want to do this. You might think it's weird. I like to take letters and, and words and stuff like that. I'm not an English person at all, okay? But he saw nowhere, okay? We all see this. I try to make it as big as possible so all of us blind folk can in the back can see this, okay? If you need healing, pray to God. Nowhere. He saw nowhere. He saw the sun is set. There's a rock. I'm going to sleep, Okay? Dream happens. Okay? God steps out and speaks to God, speaks to him, speaks to Jacob. Yahweh does. Has this revelation. And through that revelation, when he awakens, he says, God was here. It's my favorite phrase of this, this whole scripture. God was here all along. Nowhere. Same letters, but he just looked at it different. Comes now here. He is. Okay? Nowhere. It's nowhere. Nothing here. Nothing of notice. Nothing of consequence. Nothing of helpfulness. Nothing that's going to get me through. Nothing that's going to help me figure out things with my brother. Nothing that's going to let me go back home. Nothing that's going to help me find a wife. Nothing that's going to help my family grow. Nothing that's going to add to my flocks. Nothing that's going to add to anything that I need. Nothing that's going to provide for me. It's just a rock. It's just nowhere. And God shows up and He says, Now here I am. And you didn't even see it. All you saw was nowhere. All you saw what the enemy wanted to see. All he wanted you to see. All you saw was what you thought you knew. And through our mind's eye, and or through our through our earthly eye, this is all we saw. But God revealed Himself in your Bethel moment. Nowhere turned to now here. Now here I'm going to do something. Now here I'm going to change something. Now here I'm going to work. Now here I'm going to plant. Now here I'm going to water. Now here I'm going to grow. Now here I'm going to bless this. Now here I'm going to work in your situation. Now here I'm going to answer your prayer. Now here I hear what you're talking about. Now here I see you in your destitute, depraved state with your heartbrokenness and your weariness and your tiredness and your worn outness and what you're facing. Now here I am here. And we could have peace knowing that He is here. In nowhere, He is here. In nothingness, He is here. In the worst situation you could think you are ever in, He is here. And that revelation that comes from having that Bethel moment can have such significance in your life to change the direction that you are going and change the way things look just by removing the magnifying glass, changing the perspective, changing the focus, 
makes things look totally different. So Bethel was a place of remembrance. It was a place of revelation. And Bethel was also a place where Jacob gave a response. Read the scripture in the 28th chapter and 35th chapter. God wasn't the only one speaking. God wasn't the only one that did something. Jacob spoke as well. He said, if, 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 you, if you do what you say you're going to do, if this covenant is fulfilled, if, if you really are that, then you will be my God. He responded. And then we see in the 35th chapter that he goes, and if you continue with what, what we've read and you continue on for the next couple of verses, he goes and he builds an altar for sacrifice. Sacrifice is just him saying, hey, everything that I have, everything that I own, I promised you that 10% before. I promised you that you would be my God and I would be your people. And then I promised you these things. Those things, here they are on the altar. This is my response to what you did at Bethel. But here's what we do too often. It's the saddest thing in churches, in Christian walks, and families, in our relationship with God, and relationship with people. We do this. We may have a Bethel moment where God shows up in the middle of nowhere. And He gives us and does something that's worth remembering. And He gives us revelation that He makes us see things differently. He gives us purpose and direction and a hope and a future. And He sets us on a right path like the Bible says. And we act like it didn't even happen. Used to. I can tell I'm getting older. I'm almost 30. I'm older than Austin. Blew my mind when I figured that out. I've never had a couple in my church that's younger than me. Every church I've been to, I'm I'm the young guy. Okay? Now here we are. Austin Kelly is younger than me. I'm telling you, Noah. Used to, as a young person, I'd run to open the door. You know, that's how I was taught. I was raised right. Okay? Open your door for elders, ladies, I mean anybody, really, okay? Used to, thrilled my heart to do it. Got a little older. I still enjoy doing it because I feel like it's a way to show up. But used to, when people wouldn't respond, it didn't really bother me. But now, if I hold a door and they just continue to talk on their phone as they walk right through, or it goes through the door beside it, that was closed? I'm like, hello? You not see the door? I'm not paid to do this. I like the response. Just a nod of the head. Thank you, buddy. That's all. Just nod. I know you recognize I did this, okay? Maybe I should. Probably should. You know, do things without the glorification, you know, whatever. Here's what we do with our relationships with God a lot of times. Mm-hmm. God opens the door. That's what He did at Bethel. He opened the door. 
Jacob was in nowhere. He was standing outside the door. Didn't know where to go next. Didn't know what to do. And God speaks to him and says, here's the door. Jacob walked right in. Oh, this must be the house of God. This must be a holy place. I'll call this place Bethel. But he didn't fail to turn around and respond to God. Not just once, but we see in chapter 35, 20 years later, he responds once again. At first, he makes this kind of, you can kind of call it a, a, a deal with God, but I think he was just reiterating what God had already said. If this is what you say you're going to do, hey, you be my God. I'll worship you. I'll serve you. I'll follow you. If you want to bring me into this covenant, I'll do. I, that's, I'm, I'm open for that. I want that. He responded. And then 20 some years later, when he goes back to Bethel, he builds an altar, offers sacrifices, and he responds again by saying, All that I am is yours. All that I have is yours. My heart, my life, my family, my hope, my dreams, my future, my direction, wherever I go, whatever I do, it is yours. Bethel was a place to respond. You will have Bethel moments. Because I know that God is faithful and just that if He hears us cry out, He is faithful and just to hear us, to answer our prayers, to work in our situation, to be there, to do that, to have Bethel moments and present Himself to us in the middle of nowhere. But when God shows up in the middle of nowhere for your sake and for your glory and for your edification and for your help, don't you dare fail to respond. When He opens the door, have a little manners. And say, thank you. Say, you are my God. You are who you say you are. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. You have everything that I have. You you are everything that I need. You are my God. All that I am is yours. And you are mine. Bethel was a place of response. Nowhere is something that we all will face. Nowhere is something that we all will go through. Seasons of transition. Seasons of uncertainty. Seasons where we don't know what's next. Seasons where we're standing outside the door and there ain't no doorknob. We don't know how to get in. And we want somebody to let us in. And we're just looking for a way to get to that next place, that next thing, that next season. Don't be surprised when God shows up in nowhere. Where you never dreamed He would. Where you never thought He would. You didn't even have a hope that He would. You were just praying when you got to church on Sunday, you'd get something. But God says, I'll meet you there on Thursday. And I'll meet you there on Tuesday. I'll meet you there wherever you are, whenever it is, in the middle of the night, when you're broken and crying, that nowhere place, I'll meet you there. And we'll have a moment. A Bethel moment. For you know that I am God. And that I was always there that I was always there.